WOWD 94.3 FM, Tacoma Park. Dear listeners, you are tuned in to WOWD 94.3 FM, and this is Interfaith-ish. I am your host, Jack Gordon, and every other Wednesday, one hour at a time, right here on Tacoma Radio, we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm joined in the studio this week by two terrific community-building powerhouses who are lighting up my morning with their beautiful smiles. Sitting across from me is Omni Glover, co-director of The Sanctuaries, a DC-based collaborative community of artists committed to art, spirituality, and social justice. Good morning, Omni. And joining us is Chase Kimball, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who is currently serving, along with his wife, Heather, as directors of the Data Serve Initiative here in D.C. Welcome, Chase. Thank you, Jack. Dear listeners, this morning we're going to be getting into arts, service, what it takes to build strategic and sustainable interfaith collaborations. We're going to have a lot of fun. Are you excited? I'm excited. Let's do it, people. It's time to get into some interfaith-ish. So, Amini, there is mm-hmm. this great video. Yes. One of many performances mm-hmm. that folks can find that feature the talented folks from the sanctuaries mm-hmm. performing. Uh, this is a song. It's called Hunger. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the video, there's a text that reads, You know what religious violence sounds like. Now you also know the sound of religious harmony. Mm-hmm. The Sanctuaries brings people of diverse religious backgrounds together to promote justice through the creative arts. Tell us about that. How do you all do that at the Sanctuaries? Yeah, what a great quote. I'm so glad that you brought that forward. So the Sanctuaries is a community of 150 artists, and we are focused on building power, shifting culture, and uh healing spirits for the wellness of the people. And so we do that through uh, training. We do that through making sure that we have a community for artists to come to, to feed their own spirits so they can go out with a full tank. And we also do that through our partnerships and our collaborations, which really are the heartbeat of what we do in the community. So partnering with those organizations that are like-minded, that want to push social change forward through the arts. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how how the Sanctuaries was founded. organized how did it come together yeah 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 so our founder is the wonderful <laughs> reverend eric uh martinez resley yes, and uh he came to the city and saw a need uh within himself really and built community community around that interfaith community and so it started with about 20 neighbors uh, coming from their homes in 2013 and just meeting and really collaborating and seeing what is the need for art in this community to really impact social change. And, and these are all professional artists? Oh, great question. So no, it was a, it was a variety of uh, professionals who did art as a hobby as well as art artists that, you know, did it full time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they worked together and we continued to build and expand. And so here we are five years later, 2018, with over 150 artists. Wow. So how is this different from just a pure arts collective then? What is the the spiritual and social justice component to it? Yeah. So the spiritual component is that we believe we are better together. So that crosses an intersection of religious opportunities, spiritual understandings, and uh, just walking in love. And so in our community, we are intentionally interfaith, and we are the first community of our kind. And so we really stand on that and believe in that. And we're also committed to multicultural organizing. So that says that culture is at the center of everything Mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. And more than that, multiple cultures working together really can move things forward. Right. So the Sanctuaries works on campaigns, right, with local organizations, brings art to what they're doing, and and perhaps also an interfaith dimension as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a faith-based organization, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
Um, so how are, what are some of these campaigns that sanctuaries have been working on in recent years? Yeah, so let's start with recently uh, March for Our Lives, a mm. major, major campaign in the city against gun violence for young people. There's been a lot of gun violence in schools and just around in communities. So we really got together and uh, created protest banners as well as signs to support this movement. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to the climate march where we work with a group of youth of color to again have these protest banners and these signs. And then we go into Ivy City, a local community, and we did a large five by 20 foot plywood screen printed sign that said Ivy City with historic photos of that neighborhood. Mm. And this neighborhood is heavily gentrified and impacted by the effects of gentrification. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to Ms. Smithsonian partnerships, Woolly Mammoth partnerships, Parter's House partnerships, Alternate Roots partnerships. So we're really all over. And our main focus, again, is to uh, heal spirits, build power, and shift culture. Cool. And sounds like you all are doing this through some of the more temporary art installations or adding an artistic element to something like a protest. Yes. And then either permanent or semi-permanent art installations that might happen um, at a at a at a theater, it sounds like, or a museum space in the form of a performance or some sort of an outdoor um, art installation, like in Ivy City, is that right? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the performative aspect. Like you said, the video we have performative and we have visual, and our multidisciplinary platform has rappers, it has musicians, it has singers, it has visual artists. So we have a lot of different platforms that we use the art to impact social change. Great. Great. If you're just joining us, this is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We're talking with Omni Glover, mm -hmm. co-director of The Sanctuaries. So you're a recent transplant to D.C. yourself. I am. Um, how did you come to D.C. And, and to join The Sanctuaries? Ah, it was a spirit move. Uh, I believe spirit is at the heart of everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when I say that, I mean a nudging in my spirit that I was to move in to do something different. So mm -hmm. I was in Chicago okay. uh, working at a charter school uh, doing development work for um, education reform. And so while I was doing that and doing justice work in Chicago, I just kept feeling this nudge that I needed to move. And um, through deep prayer, I decided to move to the D.C. area. Okay. And how did you link up with the sanctuaries? Did you know about the group before you came here? You know, much like a lot of the stories with the sanctuaries, we find our people. So I had a friend in New York uh -huh. that knew I was in D.C. and had a link sent to her about the sanctuaries and oh, wow. read about it and okay. was like, "This, these are your people. Uh -huh. And so she sent me that link. Uh -huh. And there we go. I looked into it and I said, these are my people. So I reached out and joined the community. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so you, you showed up and, and they just like throw you in the deep end of the swimming pool because now you're co-director of the organization with Rev. Eric. Uh, yeah. So I was actually a performing artist with the Sanctuaries okay, and through cool. that built a great relationship with Rev and then went through the process for co-directorship with him. That can't be an easy thing. Yes. It's, it's I imagine, kind of like, you know, he's he's the founding director. Yes. You're coming in, bringing new energy, yes. your own vibe and everything. So yeah. so what's that relationship like? Like, uh uh, co-directing this fledgling community. Yeah, um, it is beautiful, um, creative tension, creative expansion, mm -hmm. and uh, mitigating limitations. We both have our limitations and and what mm. we can see and what we can do. And so we chose co-directorship because to really impact social change, we need varying points of view. It makes no sense to say that we are um, an interfaith community, multicultural community, and we only have one standpoint leading. Mm. That's what we believed. Mm -hmm. And so we, we decided to go into this together to really expand our vision to span our understanding and to approach this work which is expansive from a way of expansion so it has been such a healing journey for me honestly mm -hmm. uh to really it's a deep trust and faith walk mm. uh and a deep service to something bigger than myself and so i'm just honored to be doing this with rev eric and to 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 make social change cool and so tell us a little bit about your own spiritual formation how did you grow up what what's your your uh religious or spiritual yeah. background Absolutely. I was raised Catholic. Um, okay. Yeah, my whole family is Catholic. And so I, I was raised there and I actually went to a Catholic all girls high school. Uh -huh. And this and was so, where? This was in Savannah, Georgia, okay. where I was raised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in college, I was just in deep exploration and got more aligned with the spiritual path and like, what does the spirit do in opening that up and uh, got into African spirituality traditions. Mm. And so I would say that I'm a mixture of African spirituality, uh, Christianity, and just um, uh, 
Yeah, those two. Mm-hmm. And so right now my journey is that um, I have a deep path in honoring my ancestors and I have a deep path of honoring sacred text. Mm-hmm. And that blend seems to reflect also the composition of the sanctuaries, right? There's some people there that have a very specific religious tradition that they're coming from. Yeah. There's some people that are in the in the very broad spiritual but not religious category, yeah. right? There are probably some people that, that are atheist or, or mm-hmm. don't have any sort of affiliation Mm -hmm. but but for them this is their spiritual community is that right yeah yeah i'm glad that you brought that up because we have had quite a few atheists in our community Mm -hmm. and so with an intentionally spiritual community we often ask you know what holds us together and uh when we talk to our community members it really is that need for connection which is a spiritual principle Mm -hmm. so we find that that is at the core beautiful Great. So if you're just joining us, this is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We've been talking with Amini Glover, co-director of The Sanctuaries. My other guest today is Chase Kimball, co-director of the Day to Serve initiative. Uh, Chase, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Day to Serve is all about? I'd love to, Jack. Thanks for having me. The Day to Serve initiative has been going on for several years now. And it is an effort to bring together faith communities and neighborhood groups and other service-oriented organizations across the city and actually across the region to partner together and to serve in the community. So um, within the city, that looks like two or three faith communities or neighborhood groups partnering together in, in little clusters. So two or three here, two or three there. And deciding on a service project that they want to do together and picking a day and serving on that day. And that, that's that's the name, and day to serve. Uh-huh. But um, it's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not just one day yeah, out yeah. of the year, it's, right? It's, it's, a, it's a whole initiative. It, it starts on September 11th, which is the National Day of Service. Mm-hmm and goes for about 30 days. But it's it's in this fall time frame that when you bring together many different communities and, and groups together that you sort of build that momentum and with everybody feeling like they're they're doing something together that, that builds a lot of interest in building bridges and building communities. So that looks like a, a Latter-day Saint community partnering with a Catholic community on Capitol Hill and um, doing a, a project working with some senior citizens to help them. That looks like um, communities of, of different faiths getting together and helping, um, working together with Catholic charities to uh, clean up the homeless shelter on New York Avenue. Um, looks like a couple different faith communities partnering together to help with some uh, to help clean and renovate a uh, a school for for children with with special needs, and so just all around the city, these different uh, communities are finding projects together and partnering and, and doing them. And finding so, it on the on the neighborhood level, what works for them yeah. immediately accessible. Maybe building off of projects that are already existing and just bringing in an interfaith partner. Yeah, for often that. so. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think within. Um, within the work of interfaith bridge building sometimes there are there are um, large events throughout the year whether they're concerts or summits or other things that will bring a lot of people together Um, but uh, the question often is what can we do to really strengthen those um, that network of affiliations across different communities throughout the year and getting different communities partnered together. You just you build friendships, you build relationships, and you're doing it while serving the community around you. So, Great. This is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We're talking with Chase Kimball, co-director of this year's Day to Serve initiative. Now, Day to Serve is something that was launched by the uh, local community of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. People might know them as Mormons, mm-hmm. right? Um, so tell us a little bit about what the um, the church's approach to community service. I know that if there's one thing that I know about LDS folks is is they show up. When, <laughs> when there's something happening, they show up for it, whether it's for service and uh, and and obviously an active community life and so forth. So so tell me a little bit how is how is this approach to community service? 
yeah. part of the LDS tradition. Yeah, well, it all goes back to the commandment to love thy neighbor. Mm. And um, we, we take that to heart. And so uh, I, th I think, as a rule, members of the church are good neighbors. We, we strive to be. Um, and so th this initiative was, uh, was created uh, several years ago, um, like you say, kicked off by the church, but really with an effort to be, um, to be interreligious and, um, and to involve local government partners as well. Um, but that, you know, that stems from an interest in making friends across many different lines, across different faith communities, um, using it also as a way for people of different different political stripes or different backgrounds to get together. We've had involvement from the governor's offices of, of the states uh, and commonwealth surrounding D.C. as well as the mayor's office. And these politicians come and go, but their interest and in service continues to be uh, central to, to their mission on a civic side. And within the church, um, you know, we, we care deeply about... Uh, manifesting our faith through mm -hmm. through our actions through how we engage with the world around us mm -hmm. so this is something that's happening throughout maryland throughout virginia mm -hmm. and also here in the district that's right um so and you're in charge of basically the leading the dc that's right piece of the initiative together with my wife with your wife it's been great yeah awesome so um can you tell us about some of the partnerships some of the interfaith partnerships that has um that has come about through this, you, me you mentioned a couple offhand, but I'm wondering if there are any specific examples of, of things where, where you felt um, really worked well in the past. Yeah, so data service, one, uh, one initiative of m many efforts to, to do um, interfaith bridge building. So uh, just at my local congregation, we meet at 16th and Emerson Streets. We had an interfaith potluck picnic uh, last summer. It was great. We had right next door is a, a Jewish volunteer community. They came and they, they brought some food. We had the Baha'is showed up. We had uh, someone from an interfaith organization came. Some neighbors showed up. We had some, some Catholics in, in attendance. And so um, just com building community over food, I always love that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our same congregation, we have used music to do that as well. We have a service every Sunday, and um, there's opportunities in that service for, for musical elements, as there are in most church services. And we try with some regularity to invite folks from, from other churches in the neighborhood, uh, if they're willing, to, to come and, and sing for us or come and, and play for us uh, within our own Latter-day Saint Church service, and that is a wonderful way of, of opening some doors and building bridges. Great. If you're just joining us, this is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We've been talking with Chase Kimball, who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, since you brought it up, uh, when we were just talking with Omni, our other guests, about arts and community, I'm curious if you um, can talk a little bit further about the role of art, and specifically music, within the LDS um, culture and context. What, is it, what does music look like in uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yeah, music has been a foundational part of Latter-day Saint worship since the beginning. And, and I actually wanted to share the, uh, a passage of Scripture from, uh, from a book of revelations given to the, the founding leader of the Church, Joseph Smith. And this revelation is coming, and it's actually... Um, directed toward Emma Smith, the prophet's wife, about creating a book of hymns. And uh, it says, It shall be given thee also to make a selection of sacred hymns, and it shall be given thee, which is pleasing unto me, to be had in my church. For my soul delighteth in the song of the heart. This is, this is God speaking. He says, My soul delighteth in the song of the heart. Yea, the song of the righteous is a prayer unto me and it shall be answered with a blessing upon their heads. So I, I just love that scripture, and it's quoted often in our church. Um, Emma did go on to create a, a hymnal, and we are actually in an exciting moment in, in the church right now where we've, we've had a hymnal for several decades now, 
uh, our, our latest version of this book of hymns, and we're due for an update. And so the church has put out the call to members throughout the world to give some feedback on the hymns that are currently there, but also to submit their own, uh, submit new music, submit new lyrics. And they have explicitly said that uh, we want this new hymnal to reflect the diversity of the membership of the church, which is at this point a, a very global church. And so whereas our traditional hymnal has a lot of traditional American and European music in it, which is all lovely and much of it is well-beloved, uh, this, this new hymnal, which will come out in the coming years, will have a much wider uh, display of the, the diversity of voices that belong to the church. And so um, that, that devotion to music starts from the very founding and, and continues to grow. Yeah. So as I think people might be uh, surprised to find that in church services with the Latter-day Saints, if I understand correctly, it's common to sing America the Beautiful and some of these other sort of anthems that are original to the U.S., is that right? Along with more traditional tunes that are pulling from the the liturgy of, of the LDS tradition. Yeah, so, so in the United States, very commonly on the Sunday closest to the 4th of July, you would not be surprised to hear a couple of those mm -hmm. uh, songs that are thematically appropriate for the holiday being observed then. Got it. Now, I served as a missionary in the Netherlands, and there's a, a Latter-day Saint hymnal that's in Dutch, and it has a different selection of songs, including some that are very distinctly Dutch, and we would we would sing those, uh, you know, corresponding with, with key moments in, in the Dutch calendar as well. So. Cool. so this new hymnal is an opportunity, it sounds like, to, to expand the repertoire, yeah. bring in some, some other voices maybe different languages different mm -hmm. different rhythms and so forth from from around the world and absolutely be part of the thing cool um this is interfaith ish on wowd 94.3 fm we've been talking with chase kimball of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and amini glover of the sanctuaries amini I'm, I'm curious if you have any reflections on this since your work is is focused not just on arts and justice but also healing mm -hmm. and wellness of a community so mm -hmm. What do you feel are the healing properties of including the arts in community life, especially when, you know, as it looks like Chase's community is doing, there's a focus on drawing from a wider array of multicultural sources. What's the effect that, that you've experienced on communities? Yeah, great question. Um, in my hearing of it, uh, it's just a great testament to uh, the need for connection and the need for connection cross every limit, cross every boundary, cross every barrier. And music does that. It can get up under a thing and breathe life into that connection, especially when I may feel that it's just not present. And so that's been my experience of music and my experience of leading a community with music as a form of social justice. Uh, it's always done that in every movement. Uh, music has been used to uplift people, to remind people of who they really and truly are, and to forge those connections to move forward. Beautiful. Great. This is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We've been talking with Omni Glover of the Sanctuaries and Chase Kimball of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints leading the Data Serve Interfaith Initiative. We'll be back after a quick break. They said it's hard to really see it and the reason why we live in Don't chase it with your eyes and recognize it till it's given The world in front of me became the molding of my vision The pain that came to me is what I blame on my decisions How can I find the courage when my heart is feeling missing? How do I find a time when I know that the clock is ticking? I'm a soldier for this love, is guaranteed to be my mission Wish I could find it easy like I see it in the children Hey, Looking back as I move forward, Sankofa I want a love that explodes, call it a supernova What it takes to reach the heavens, let me stand closer Put the pieces all together, witness Jehovah. God is patient with a sunny plant to see to let it grow. When I love it unconditional, I learn to let it go. 
Open your arms, what I'm talking about. Without a doubt, I can feel the love reaching out. Love reaches out. My love reaches out. Love reaches out. Can you feel it? Yeah. I'm never giving up. I'm keeping cool. I'm in control. My praise, I give it up. A higher power's in control. This light is guiding me. I'm armed with everything I know. This love is getting closer. I can feel it in my soul. Long as I am living, I still got the time to show. The patience that was given from the ones that let me grow. Forgive me for debating back and forth, to and fro. This love is reaching out. I'm giving it to you and yours. Walk with me in solidarity. My sanctuary eases my disparity. When I look into your eyes, I'm looking carefully. What do you know? There is me. No more questioning the things that I can never see. Touch, taste, smell, hear, no more mystery. Just a faith that's stronger than my pain and misery. I found it in myself, and it will forever be. The breath of love that gave me the breath of life. A breath of life, spirits give it back, and I energize. If I never take another, let my voice come and speak it out. And give you the feeling of love reaching out. from the Sanctuary's EP on WOWD 94.3 FM. This is Interfaith-ish, and I'm your host, Jack Gordon, reminding you that we want you to reach out and join us in this community-building endeavor, this community-based radio station. The majority of our funding comes from people like you, our listeners, so please consider donating to us at TacomaRadio.org. Again, this is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and I'm joined today by my guest, Amini Glover, co-director of The Sanctuaries, a D.C.-based interfaith arts community, and Chase Kimball, a member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who is co-director of this year's Day to Serve initiative, bringing residents together for acts of service, all across the DMV region. In the first half of our program, each of our dear guests answered some of my questions, but now for the second half, as we do every episode, it's time for them to ask some questions of their own. Anything that they've wanted to know about each other's story or traditions, things they may have never asked, never known to ask, or just flat out misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So on our show, we seek to model respectful dialogue while not being afraid to roll up our sleeves and get into some interfaith-ish. So with that, I will turn it over to my guests, Amini and Chase. 
Awesome. I've been waiting for this, Chase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to um, really hear about the data serve and learn more about it. Uh, as you were speaking, my question for you is, uh, this is great work in the community. And often in the sanctuaries, we're always looking at ways that we can remain accountable to the communities mm -hmm. as we continue to build. And so with your data serve, um, in what ways do you remain accountable to the community and make sure that their voices are heard as you as you serve with them? Absolutely. So I think um, it starts with listening mm. and um, looking around. You know, I had a, just to share an example from, I, I was recently visiting the uh, 19th Street Baptist Church, mm -hmm. which is actually on 16th Street, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and met one of their pastors whose whole job is, is community outreach. Mm -hmm. And what he does, as far as I can tell, day after day, is he just goes to different communities around the neighborhood and asks, what do you need help with? You know, mm -hmm. he went to West Education Campus, an elementary school not far from my house, and just said, you need help with anything? And they said, sure, yeah, we, we need some, we could use a little bit of support with some school uniforms and some some wipes and diapers for the, 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 the daycare we've got, things like that. I mean, that was just one example where he is just pounding the pavement, going around to the community and asking that question of, how can I help you? How can mm -hmm. we help you? So that's a real example to me. And I think uh, we can all model that behavior mm -hmm. of going out and asking, how can we help? Um, you know, with the, uh, with the Day to Serve initiative, we have a great relationship with the mayor's um, service office mm -hmm. and um, have asked about, you know, what, what are the priorities there? You know, and, and there are many priorities for the city from, from the mayor's perspective, and that's been a, that's been a valuable dialogue. Um, there are a, a lot of people with, with very deep needs in this city, so how do we make sure that our service is meeting those in greatest need? Um, whether that is social isolation, and I think Catholic Charities does a great job of this. They have several um, opportunities to serve when it comes to a, a number of uh, essentially halfway homes in the city where um, there are opportunities to go on a, on a Monday night or Wednesday night and basically play games and just have a social hour with some folks who, you know, what, what their needs are is... A, is just to have more social experiences with people. Um, and uh, this is also the year of the Anacostia mm -hmm. River. Uh, mm -hmm. 2018 was been declared as the year of the river, and, uh, and that's been very exciting as well. So another, uh, another effort we have going on this coming Saturday, actually, is in partnership with Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens to help do some cleaning of the the. Anacostia watershed, um, which, you know, that, that meets a slightly different need than social isolation or, or hunger. And that's the beauty of data serve initiative is that you've got a lot of different groups uh, attacking on multiple prongs, um, different issues in the city. Um, so, so yeah, to accountability, I think it's listening, it's paying attention to where those true needs are. And then and then uh, mobilizing around them and keeping that conversation going. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. I have another question. Yeah, please, can... please. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so particularly, you know, that's a great method, listening to the community first. Mm -hmm. What happens when uh, there's difference in opinions of what the need is within the community, and especially with the community partners that you're serving as well as with the community that you're serving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, so can you, uh, let's see, give me an example. It sounds like this is something that, that you think about a lot as well. I'd love yeah, to... absolutely. So with us, since we are intentionally a community of difference, yes. uh, we're often navigating those spaces, those those growing edges of when uh, what one community needs is different from what another community needs. Their, mm -hmm. their cultural understanding is just different and how they approach it is different. So I was wondering in your work with Day to Serve, when mm -hmm. you're working with these different communities, if you ever come up with those differences in culture and differences in cultural understanding when you're serving in a community. Yeah. Yeah, I think all the time. You know, I think that uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of people who have a 
great capacity and interest and service, um, but maybe don't have a lot of um, experience interacting with with the communities that they're wanting to serve, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and those are really exciting moments, you know, when when you get somebody who uh, who who maybe comes from a, a place of relative privilege, mm -hmm. and and you're working with a, a partnership maybe with a group like some so that others may eat and you're you're working with a, in a in a food pantry with mm -hmm. with some folks who who do not have um, that kind of background and there is a often a cultural disconnect mm -hmm. um, and and that creates an opportunity for learning for talking um, you know for getting exposure to one another um, and and when that works well, I think again it just comes back to listening, and for everybody just to sort of uh, let go of their past experiences, uh, in as much as those are blocking them from connecting, and starting with the understanding that we're here to to love one another and help one another. Um, so, um, yeah, maybe maybe those are broad brushstrokes. Trying to think of how to get a little bit more honed in, but. Um, but I, I mean, I would love to hear more about Sanctuary's work in that regard and how, um, how do you navigate as a community intentionally of difference, um, navigate those kinds of issues as well. Yeah. Um, I appreciate your sharing around that. Yeah. Uh, always interested to hear how other groups move through it. Uh, since we are intentionally, uh, choosing to face it head on, uh, we allow it to show us, um, Honestly, uh, it can be very tense and it can be very challenging. And it's always a choice point of whether I, uh, it's best for me to walk away and come back because sometimes I cannot find the understanding in the moment. Sometimes I don't want to talk in the moment. And so uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to acknowledge that, to be aware that um, conflict really can bring forth some, some, some great understandings of where I am I may want to do something, but in my practice of it, I just may not be there. And so in our community, um, it's a great vision to bring forth a community of difference, but in the practice of it, it's challenging work. Uh, and to really uplift that, that that is the case. And so when we have our community members in these challenging experiences, really saying that, you know, that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. And that's part of the work. So it gets really messy. And to really sit in the messiness of it and say that uh, we'll move through it and we'll be in the mess mm -hmm. until it's cleared up. Yeah. You know, what What resonates about that with me is, is uh, more in terms of the my congregation that meets up on 16th Street, uh, just within that community, there is a lot of difference. Mm. And I think, so that's where I see some of these dynamics play out most of all. Mm -hmm. It's just within the community, people from very different backgrounds, some very long-term D.C. residents and some very new move-ins. Mm. Um, people who are immigrants, people who are native-born in this country, um, people who um, have have many different religious backgrounds prior to joining the church, mm -hmm. and so how do all those people get along? Mm -hmm. um, and and sure enough, sometimes uh, that that comes out on the surface. Sometimes we'll be in a Sunday school lesson, and there will there will be a vocal uh, difference of opinion, or mm -hmm. or um, even a misunderstanding between between some people. And I think that's very healthy. Mm -hmm. I think. What better setting than at church mm -hmm. in that deliberate community to uh, to address some of those tensions mm -hmm. because you're coming with that base understanding that you're here to love and serve one another and and really, I think in a city that is experiencing those same kinds of differences and divisions across the city but not in that deliberate and intentional way, mm -hmm. the way that you're talking about with sanctuaries and the way that I feel in my congregation. Um, you know, when you are intentional, then you can start with, okay, well, we're here to love each other. Mm -hmm. And there may be disagreements, sometimes arguments, sometimes fights. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just an opportunity to, to learn more about, about who the other is. Mm. So, um, 
And you know what? Music helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like that that's pretty central to what Sanctuaries is all about, along with its other art forms. But um, in our congregation, we have we, we often have set musical numbers, but sometimes we have something called uh, just a an instant choir. Hmm. Where we just say, okay, anybody who wants to, now mm-hmm. you are the choir. Come up to the front of the, the chapel and mm-hmm. and sing it out. We've got a song mm-hmm. for you to sing. And that sort of spontaneity and the weaving together of these very different voices um, builds a lot of sisterhood and brotherhood within the community. Mm-hmm. So, And I'd love to hear more about how, how you and sanctuaries use art to heal spirits, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. I love Insta Choir. <laughs> and within Insta Choir, I can see the answer to that question, right? Because it's that natural flow of what comes up for me in the moment. And so that's how we move through art making and art building for social impact. What is coming up for me in the moment and how does that connect to the movements that have been going on for centuries? We consider ourselves a new expression of a long lineage of what's been going on forever and ever. Amen. So mm-hmm. uh <laughs> What's exciting about it is in these new expressions and making those connections to the past, uh, we learn more about our resilience as communities, our resilience to uh, move forward and to make a change. And so whether I be a screen printer or whether I be a musician or a vocalist, there are ways for me to uh, make my imprint in this world and be a small drop that can then create an ocean. So um, with sanctuaries, it really is just sitting in those uncomfortable places. Recently, we've been talking about how do we work with the culture of politeness, right? And so in an intentional intentional community of difference, I can just be like, okay, it's all right. Or, you know, please thank you. And really never say the things that are on my heart or that my trigger points. And so we're really working with ways with healing and wellness to really get up under that. Because our belief is that existing in a culture of politeness does not support our community. Like we're just sitting here together and just smiling at each other and saying that all is well, sometimes it's not. So that, that creative tension is where the best art is made. And so allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable and sit in those places and really speak from those places like love reaches out. How can I get to a love reaching out, you know, truly, mm-hmm. and not just think about it. How can I really feel that way and express it in my daily embodiment? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between politeness and respect? Yeah, that's a great question. So respect is that uh, innately, I believe that you're valuable and that you are worth it as a person. Uh, Cultural politeness says that uh, because um, I want to avoid conflict, I am going to uh, deny what is true for me and my being in this moment. Respect says that I can honor what's going on with me in a way that's respectful, but I can also honor what's going on for me. Um, so for me, the the distinction there is when I am polite, I am willing to maybe push down those things that are on top for me. And when I am respect filled, I honor the person, but I also honor myself and I find a language that can work for us. And sometimes it may not work for us, but then I can say, you know, you know, this may hurt your feelings or whatever, whatever the language may be. But um, politeness is a pushing down sometimes Mm -hmm. in my experience. Amini, I I wanted to just jump in and ask you um, a question. Um, A lot of religious communities Mm -hmm. are experiencing a, um, a diminishing in their, in their numbers, particularly Mm -hmm. of millennial generation um, um, participants and so forth. And I'm curious, how does the sanctuaries, which is a non-traditional community that's bringing together people from all these different backgrounds, keep people there? Obviously, it's a beautiful spirit that you're creating, but, you know, we're in a busy city. Mm-hmm. People have lots of busy lives and so forth. So I'm, sure, I'm, I'm curious how you all are approaching that challenge. Yeah, great question. Uh, we have a secret sauce. the sanctuary secret sauce similar to the mambo sauce of dc um but yeah uh and that truly is um what chase said so poignantly is listening um we cannot dictate for you what matters 
Uh, we can listen to what you share and then uh, provide valuable feedback. And so I think that's what is supportive in our community, which grew it from 20 neighbors to hundred over 150 artists, is that deep listening and that deep willingness to change and transform with our community. And not dictate to them, but, uh, again, provide the resources to make that change happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the proof is in the numbers. You've got a growing community. You're intentionally keeping it small. So does that does that help? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what we found is that, um, again, D.C. is transient. You know, that's one of the challenges that we face as well. People come here, they're activated, they're very excited about the community, but they may be here for grad school or they may be here for some kind of learning experience and then they move on to the next. So that's something, a real challenge within our community. And how we navigate that is that we've really gotten clear about what we're about, what we're doing and what we can do well and really invite people who can align with that to do the same. So we've moved less from, um, you know, if you're here two weeks or if you're here two months, just come and be with us. We really want people who, who can make a commitment for a longer term uh, period, right. but also be open to others experiencing the community. But those who are building the community, uh, we are asking for them to be uh, committed to being around because that's mm -hmm. support. And, and in a real way, I, I mean, not that the other ways aren't real in terms of time and creating art and so forth, but I mean, it's membership also. Your yes. people are dues-paying members of the sanctuary. So. Yeah, yeah, and that was a challenging choice, but a necessary one, because mm -hmm. again, when we started out, we were not doing that. Mm -hmm. But among conversation and listening circles with our community, knew that that was the best next step. Yeah. Cool. Well, speaking of challenges, I wanted to say to Chase that I've been working really hard to follow the new style guidelines that have been released by your church leadership <laughs> that's curving the use of the t common term Mormon in favor of the official name Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So if folks don't know, that's mm. that's been sort of the recent policy that's come down, and I'm curious how that's going going yeah. down inside the LDS community. And, and you've done an admirable job, <laughs> I've noticed. Um, it, this has been so interesting. So yes, we're, we're many people know us as the Mormons. Um, we've even run ads uh, called the "I'm a Mormon" campaign, and and the the church's attitudes around use of that nickname have changed back and forth over over the the decades and centuries. Um, and it, but this the, just the way this came about, I think, is just so so telling of some of the unique aspects of our church that we have a relatively newly um, newly appointed uh, leader of the church, our prophet uh, Russell Nelson, and uh, essentially the uh, the statement that was released about this updated guidance about how to refer to the church was based on on his thinking and praying and just realizing, you know what, the name of the church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That was given to us by revelation. So people should call us by our name. And uh, I don't think anybody consulted with the PR folks or the social media folks or, you know, n nobody has any idea how to make that actually work in terms of a, a handle that people can get their mouths around. Um, but that's that's often how it goes. Is you just get the prompting that says, "Okay, we here's a course correction. Not quite sure how this is going to be implemented. Not quite sure what the next step is." But there's there's the the prophet leaning on some inspiration, and then it's up to us as members of the church to 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 figure out how that's going to work in in our lives as well. So right, especially those social media folks who are trying to hashtag that. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Bit, a little bit of a mouthful. It sure is. But we'll we'll make the effort. All right, so tell our dear listeners how they can find out about DataServe if they want to sign up to participate. There's a website, dataserve.org. And uh, if if you're just itching and rearing to go, like I mentioned, just the Saturday at 9 a.m. to show up at Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens. If you don't already have something to do, uh, there's a service project right there that you can get involved in and, and meet some folks. So there's a, there's a list of uh, organized uh, service projects that are already happening yeah, and and people are they still being encouraged to create their own? And yeah, create their absolutely. Own partnerships? And so many of those are listed on the website, but then especially looking if you're um, part of a, a community or a neighborhood group to think about you know okay well what's something I could do and who could I partner with, you know a thing to do and uh, uh, a partner to have, 
that's a great way of strengthening that relationship is to do some some service together and to do it intentionally uh, as we were talking about awesome awesome so it's a data service a little push in the right direction and yep. as, once we know you know service can be can be an addictive thing once, mm -hmm. you, once you get in there and 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 mix it up you really find so much inspiration that folks are hopefully inspired to do it all year long right yeah Cool. Amini, how about you? I know um, mm -hmm. that uh, the Sanctuaries has stuff going on all the time. So, yes. so how, folks, how can folks uh, join the crew over there, even just mm -hmm. uh, start to listen to some of the fabulous music that's been produced? Absolutely. So look us up. As simple as typing in Google and doing Sanctuaries DC, you'll find us. Or you can look at our handle with Instagram or on Facebook, Sanctuaries DC. You can also visit our website, thesanctuaries.org. And we also have a great event that we want to invite the listeners to. We actually did a special promo code just for you. And it's uh, our Soul Slam, our fifth anniversary Soul Slam, which is a great event uh, where you can experience us in person all of our musicians our visual artists our improv artists will be there talking about uh claiming all of who we are and so uh that event is on october 19th from 7 to 9 at the festival center and here listen up really closely this uh promo code is for you it's tacoma in all caps t-a-k-o-m-a -A, and you would just log into eventbrite.com uh search for soul slam you'll see our fifth year anniversary soul slam and just put in tacoma you have a 30 percent discount on the tickets which are normally 25 dollars. so again tacoma is the pro is the promo code all caps go to eventbrite.com it's our soul slam event we would love to see you there Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks so much for doing that. Awesome. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right, folks, we've been joined today by Omni Glover of the Sanctuaries and Chase Kimball of, taking a big breath, the Church of Jesus Christ of <laughs> Latter-day Saints and the Data Serve Interfaith Initiative. Thank you both for being part of our show Thank today. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. All right. Well, dear listeners, that's a wrap on this week's Interfaith-ish. We wish everyone in the midst of Yom Kippur an enriching and reviving fast. Gamar Hatima Tova. May you be sealed in the Book of Life. Shout out to my fellow interfaith Ishtronauts, Miranda Hovmeyer and Sue Katz Miller. And as always, thanks to Jeff Philosopher for all the great music. And of course, thank you, dear listeners, for spending your hour with us. You can find all our special previous episodes of Interfaith Ish on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. We released a surprise web exclusive last week, so subscribe to make sure that you don't miss out on great content like that. And leave us a rating or review so more folks can find out about our show. As always, if there's Interfaith-ish you wish to dish, you can write us an email at interfaithish at gmail.com. That's interfaithish at gmail.com. I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Interfaith-ish will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, October 3rd at 9 a.m. Until then, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week. Streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.